It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, uh, Mike Tomlin, um, you know, Anthony Weidel, um, and the rest of the Steelers front office is able to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that will chase for a seventh Lombardi trophy. And so this week we continue um, our draft um, profiles on players drafted by the Steelers. This week we've got Mark Robinson. Um, But given the nature of the pick in the seventh round and the background for Mark Robinson, um, we're actually going to cover that in part one um, quickly uh, because of the limited background we can pull on him. Um, And then in part two, we're actually going to look at defensive line. Now, that's not going to be a surprise to anyone. Um, Obviously, Stefan Tewitt has retired. And we're, and we're dealing, and you know, Steelers fans have had to deal with that. I'm just going to have a look at a couple of interesting pros, like prospects to join the Steelers, um, you know, in, in a different way, shape, or form. Um, you have to stay tuned for part two for that. Um, I'm not saying they will, but there are some names out there that people have talked about. I've also got a different take on that. So you'll have to stay tuned for part two for that. Um, but let's crack into Mark Robinson. So Mark Robinson, you know, drafted by the Steelers, uh, pick 206. 226, sorry, um, in this year's NFL draft in the seventh round. Um, pretty crazy from that perspective, your Mark Robinson. You know, we know that he did the switch from running back. Um, then, you know, the, the program got canceled at different colleges, you know, and then he obviously went to Ole Miss. Um, and then from there, they had an injury at linebacker and suddenly he's playing linebacker. And he had a great season. I mean, he played well enough that the Steelers drafted him with, you know, Brian Flores coming in 
you know, to be a linebacker coach and defensive assistant as well. So that's, you know, definitely someone that's shown promise or he wouldn't get picked um, by the Pittsburgh Steelers there. However, everything that we talk about, we do have to preface with the way that um, Jeffrey Benedict ended his really cool film room article on it. And if you haven't checked that out, um, that was published um, earlier in May. And so you can go check that out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. It came out on May 9th, on my birthday. So you rewind back there. Um, and the, the article is titled, Mark Robinson is a Project with Real Upside for the Steelers. Um, great film room. I would agree with Jeffrey. You know, you can see he's got an eye for getting to the ball, particularly in the run game. You know, he's got good height and body height and the tackling. Um, not afraid to go in there and hit someone. I think that's cool. He's still obviously learning the position um, and those challenges. But the key point I wanted to bring up that Jeffrey Benedict raised in the article was, in all odds being equal, he probably will never play a snap in the NFL. Like you look at a guy like Mike Robinson, this is a project. This is a guy that now we haven't even been through St. Vincent's. Maybe he shows out. This is when those sorts of players show out. But he's also, I mean, how many of you remember Frazier, the defensive tackle? Um, you know, how, how many of us really, did we see much from an Isaiah Bugs? You know, there's guys like that. Um, and, you know, really, you know, if Robert Spillane's going to stay on this roster, what's the role of Mike Robinson? That being said, though, we do have to, he does deserve the respect of us having a look at him. And he does deserve us um, thinking about what might po- might be possible. So the first thing I've got to say is he's actually very hard um, to go and find stuff about Mark Robinson because he wasn't in any, I can't talk about the rankings like we have in other, um, in other podcasts. I think we can next week with Chris Oladokun, but um, with Mike Robinson, he wasn't in any of the previews, previews from like Pro Football Network. The Draft Network had a minimal amount on him. Um, so, and PFF, you know, I, we'll talk about a couple of those grades, but it's very contextual with one year. Um, in terms of his profile, the Draft Network did say he was another former running back, raw player that comes with upside at the position, has only been a linebacker for one season, showed enough in that one season to warrant a draft pick, all things we've said so far. Um, he's a good athlete who is able to play sideline to sideline and has good strike when he tackles the ball carrier. Again, we said that. Um, and he projects as an inside linebacker in this Steelers defense and likely be a special teams ace while he continues to develop under new linebackers coach Brian Flores. I kind of feel like the writer pretty much just copied what Jeffrey Benedict's article said, um, to be honest, uh, from that perspective. But it did come out a week before um, Jeff's um, article. So Jeffrey's article, so, you know, is what it is um, from that perspective. You know, we look at him. There was also an article published um, a couple of days ago on the Draft Network, and they talked about the issues um, about the linebacker core um, for the Steelers and whether that will hold them back, um, you know, and, and it was very much talked about, you know, we didn't really address the position um, until the seventh round with Mark Robinson and the depth once you get outside Miles Jack, if Devin Bush isn't fit, could be a real problem. Um, I think that's something that a lot of Steelers fans feel and a lot of Steelers fans share that concern. So I think that's a surprise um, from that perspective. Now, if we do look at him, um, as a, um, you know, from a stats perspective, um, last year, according to Sports Reference, that's Pro Football Reference's college site um, for college football, uh, 49 um, assistant, assisted tackles, 42 solo tackles for 91 total. Um, that's a number that you've seen probably thrown a lot. If you can recall anything that you've heard about Mark Robinson since he was drafted, that he had 90 plus tackles. He had five and a half for a loss with three sacks. 
Um, so that's pretty good when you think about the competition that old Ole Miss faced. And so that's a good segue into the PFF grades. Um, you know, usually I contextualize a lot of the snaps at different positions and all the rest of it there. Um, I can't do that in the way that we have done a lot of these prospects, given that really a linebacker, he's only had kind of really one season there um, that's worth really noting. Um, so we'll go through a few grades. Um, we'll co- pick up on a few different things out of this, but I, I say I do contextualize this with, you know, <laughs> he's definitely um, a seventh round draft who's played a position like inside linebacker for one year. Um, so the list of teams they played, um, obviously, we, we know all Miss plays generally good competition, but Louisville, um, Austin Pay, Tulane, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, Liberty, um, Malik Willis, um, there, shout out to Andrew Wilbur, uh, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Baylor um, from that perspective. Now, when we look at the... the sort of the total number of snaps he played, it was 531 of the se- you know, in the season. 71 was his high against Tennessee, um, 70 snaps against Auburn, 57 against Arkansas, only 29 against Bama, uh, 58 against Liberty, 46 against Texas A&M, 33 against Baylor. Um, in, in terms of run defense of those 535, 265 of those snaps came on run defense, 30 pass rush and 236 in coverage. So he played more coverage than what people might realize. Now I'm not saying he's experienced in coverage, but he, he has played more there um, than I think some people would give him credit for or, or potentially realize. With that, his highest um, number of snaps in, in run defense was 39 against Auburn, 33 against Arkansas, 32 against Tennessee. So the top three um, pass rush, the season highs were Baylor in the bowl game, um, Tennessee, um, but we're talking six and four snaps there. From a coverage perspective, 35 snaps um, against Tennessee were played in coverage, 28 um, again, 28 snaps in coverage against Auburn and 29 against Liberty, um, 27 also Mississippi State. His best overall defensive grade came in the game against LSU with a 77.9. His worst defensive grade came with a 34.0 against Louisville. His best run defense grades were against LSU, 83.1, Austin Pay, 75.3, 71.3 against Bama. So it was his third best game. So it's interesting to note. And he had two 68s, which were against Arkansas and Tennessee. His tackling grade with PFF, um, 82.5 against Bama, 83.3 against Arkansas, 74 against Tennessee, 83.8 against LSU. So they were the top four um, from that perspective. Oh, I lie, sorry. Uh, Vanderbilt was an 80.9. Mississippi State was an 81.9. So they're the five top grades. But I think the key thing to hear is Bama, Arkansas, um, the tackling grades were really good um, from that perspective. So that shows you against the bigger and better opposition, um, he's performing. That I mean, you could equally say it's worrying against Baylor. He had a tackling grade in the bowl game of 27 and a half. Um, but, you know, that, that sort of is what it is there. Now, from a pass rush grade perspective, his best was against Tennessee with an 81.7, but he played no more than six snaps in pass rush. So I, I think those grades are a hard one for, you know, this is where PFF grades start to fall apart a little bit sometimes. Um, 64.3 coverage grade against LSU. 
um, a 64.8 against Texas A&M um, and a 61.3 against Louisville. But that Louisville game, um, he played, you know, only eight snaps, but he did have a 61.3 against Liberty um, as well. That's worth noting. Um in terms of that total pressures, 11, he had three sacks. We talked about those eight quarterback hurries. Um, from a missed tackle perspective, they have him at 13 missed tackles on the season for an, a 13.4% missed tackle average. Um, that's quite interesting as well. He did actually have, um, he allowed 68.8% um, for receptions um, in defense. So, you know, offensive players against him caught 68.8% of those passes, 11 receptions off 16 targets um, as well for 113 yards, an average of 10.3, 45 yak, um, a long of 21 um, as well. He allowed an overall NFL um, quarterback rating of 88.8, no pass breakups. In terms of alignment for snap counts, he lined up on the defensive line seven times, 503 times in the box and 21 in the slot. Um, And when he lined up in the defensive line, all seven of those snaps were on the outside um, of the tackle as well. So that gives you a a sense of that. Um, But really, like from that perspective, you're talking about a player they've really switched in their last season. you, You can't really contextualize it more than that. What I would say that I found interesting was of a thousand votes on behindthestillcurtain.com for ratings was the poll of love it, hate it, meh, or who. So you, the listeners, rated this. 24% said love it, 5% said hate it, 35% went meh, which is not bad, I think, for a seventh round draft pick, and 36% went who, um, which is probably a lot more than, like, you know, a lot more of us than um, even the thousand people that responded um, to those stats. So, um, sorry, responded to the, that poll. So that's kind of interesting from that perspective. Um, but it's like Dave Schofield always likes to say, you know, when it comes to seventh round, it's it's UDFAs. You don't want anyone else to have a look at. I think if you're a draft, Nick, or I think it's weird when people self-profess that, but guys like particularly like myself and Andrew Woolbar and, um, you know, Jerome Betts from then those two gentlemen are both from the Steelers fix. There were players available that went UDFA or there were other players available. You're still in the seventh at this point that you probably would have wanted to draft. But then it's not surprising because you've got Brian Flores coming in, someone that you know, can work with linebackers, takes a flyer on an athletic guy, who knows? Um, and if it pays off, it's one of those picks that you look back in at time and go like, wow. Um, and, it, you know, the t- it's like our title of the show says, can the Steelers hit the mark with this guy? Um, it's not just a pun on his name. It's, it's true. Like, can they hit the mark with him? Um, so that's interesting from that perspective. Um, but with that, we're going to wrap up part one of this week's Steelers War Room. Let's say join for part two. We're going to look at the defensive line who might be available if the Steelers decide they do need to um, bring someone in outside um, to help them on the defensive line, given the retirement of Stefan It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back on this week's Steelers War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, um, Anthony Weidel, um, Dan Colbert, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. So we had the retirement of Stefan Tuitt in the last couple of weeks, and it got me thinking, you know, I didn't really get a chance to get all that in time um, for last week's show um, there on, on Connor Haywood. And I, uh, Connor Haywood is a hard one. Um, I hope you, if you haven't listened to that show, go back and listen to it. But it's a hard one with everything he did, you know, to, to you know, really get that into sort of 45 minutes. I know that might sound odd, but with all the different positions he played, I think that was a 6.30, 6-minute podcast. Um, I hope I haven't scared anyone away that was playing and going back and listening to that. But, you know, with that one, it, it's kind of contextualized with the fact that, you know, there wouldn't have been enough time for me to, to properly tackle the defensive line situation. Now, I'm obviously, dev- if anyone caught Steelers touchdown under, um, you know, apologize for the for the repeat here. But, you know, I, it is disappointing with Stefan Tuitt, one of my favorite players, has been for a long time. Some people are saying that now, and I've never heard them say that, but I can definitely attest um, to him to him being absolutely one of my favorite guys. Um, devastated when I heard about his brother. Um, devastated to hear him retiring. All the best of luck to him. Um it is kind of, I understand the rationale behind letting him see if he wanted to play, um, you know, but it's also kind of disappointing at the same time because you've got a guy here that, you know, we, we could we could have done a bit, we would have had more time to try and fill that. I know there's the salary cap benefits um, as well from the perspective of, you know, him being able to, you know, spread the way that it's spread the, the cap over the next couple of years and stuff like that. There are benefits there. I'm not going to go into that stuff. Um, then it gets into silly, you know, I think right now we're getting silly dollars and cents. I, we're going to look at the players Steelers could bring in from perspective of how they're going to add to the room that they've got. Um, let, let's park the dollars to one side because really everyone that's available now, you're going to be able to get much cheaper. Um, as as well, so there's that there's that to remember. So right now, in 2022, if you put edge and interior defensive line together, these all plays well. Now I'm just going to go through these names because quite quickly, um, and then we're going to look at a couple of names that stand out to me. So Trey Flowers um, doesn't really necessarily fit the scheme. Same with Jason Pierre-Paul, and remember these free agents are ordered by their their most recent average pay per year. Um, then you've got Eddie Goldman. Um, he's definitely more interior from the Bears. In Donamasu, Linville Joseph, Carl Nassib, Carlos Dunlap, Star Lodalele, um, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, who I'm a fan of, Brandon Williams, Taris McKinley, Benson Mayoa, Malik Jackson, um, Sheldon Richardson, Ryan Kerrigan, Nicholas Williams, um, Tyler Davidson, sorry, I missed back there, Stamas. Shamar, Stephen, Gerald McCoy, um, who's kind of dropped off the radar a bit since he, he left the Buccaneers. Um, Steve McClendon, um, who's 36, is probably going to retire. Corey Peters, Steve Means, Danny Shelton, um, a guy that's you know been been played a little bit here and there. Um, Jack Crawford, Pernell McPhee, who's definitely more on the edge. Cassius Marsh. I'm going to stop there because Cassius Marsh is outside and he's also a guy that we're all familiar with and it's a no, no from me. 
Um, so when we look at those guys, I think there are two guys that really stand out from this list. I, I think really when we're looking at it, um, it's definitely Carl Nassib. It's Larry Ogunjobi, um, who, you know, I've always been a fan of him. Regularly would draft, you know, bring him into a Madden squad. The Slack channel, I can tell you, myself, KT Smith, Andrew Wilbar, all friends, you know, definitely fans, um, jumped on that pretty quickly. Um, and I think Sheldon Richardson too, but Sheldon Richardson, Sheldon Richardson, I don't think is quite what we need necessarily there um, with to it as well. Um, so looking at it really from that perspective, there's these three guys um, and, and Carl Nassib is someone, obviously he made the big announcement on a personal level last year. Um, you know, I, you know, that is what it is. That doesn't play into any of this. Um, has He's considered an edge, edge rusher for the 4-3, um, but he's six foot seven, two seventy seven. He could put on weight if we had to. Um, you know, I think he's an interesting guy to look at. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, throughout the last few years um, has had, you know, broken, he's, well, I think, almost 25 sacks. Um, but in terms of tackles for a loss, he's got like almost 40 in the last, you know, since his career started in the NFL, that's over six seasons. Past defense, um, 16, um, or past breakups, whatever you want to call it. One interception, um, four forced fumbles as well. So um, he's played, um, he only played 21% of the defensive snaps last year, um, but he usually plays somewhere in between 40 and 60%. Um, and he can play on special teams as well. So that's the benefit with Carl Nassib if you brought him in. Um, he, I think he's, you know, he, he's worth considering. I mean, I like Larry Ogunjobi more um, from that perspective as well. He's had five seasons in the league. Um, he's played a season higher in terms of snaps of 78.9 defensive snaps in 2018, 73.4, 2019, 59.6, 2020, 64.5 in 2021. Um, he plays 10 to 15% um, of the special team snaps. Um, you're talking about a guy here um, that's broken 20 sacks as well. Um, tackles for a loss there. He's got um, 41 of those quarterback hits. He gets a lot of them. Um, you know, he's got 52 there, one pass defense and two forced fumbles. So I like him. He's a bit, bit he's a bit bigger from a weight perspective, 6'3", 305 pounds. That, that's quite a good alignment um, there from the Steelers. And then Sheldon Richardson's probably, as I say, I think you'd probably have to be relying on moving Tyson um, outside at some point, never moving um, Hayward inside. You know, I, I'm not sure this is quite quite the same sort of situation. He's played a lot longer in the league. Again, someone almost 40, you know, snacks in the NFL, tackles for a loss. You know, I think he's close to 60. Um, quick map there. Quarterback hits. I mean, 21 in 2014, you know, again, he's, you know, got the best part of 80 to 100, you know, quarterback hits. Um, pass defense as well, ter- terrific numbers there. He's almost 25 um, for them. One interception, um, forced fumbles. I mean, he, he's he got, you know, 11 of those um, as well. So he's a guy that's got the stats. Um, he's just a bit older and you've probably got a bit less time, but a one-year deal, fine. But the Steelers probably need to get a bit younger at that position um, or, you know, if they're going to do a trade for whatever reason, they're going to have to go a, a, a bit more of a proven performer. So that brings me to the second part of part two. We've talked about guys that are available right now, 2022 NFL free agents from that from that perspective. Now, 
Now, when we look forward to 2023, and the reason why I bring that up is these are guys that are more likely to actually be available if you did need to trade. Because the reality is, is that Chris Wormley's off contract. This is his final year of his contract. Tyson Alawalu was his final year and he's 35. Now Wormley's 29. Um, you know, but if he has another season where he gets five plus sacks, he's probably going to be worth you know a decent amount of money. And he'll be at that time he'll be 30. And do the Steelers really want to pay that? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and then Montrevis Adams is still there because he's 27. He's still got a contract for next year, but he's got a higher cap number. Um, he's also, you know, you can cut him and you can get two and a half million back. So really they're all kind of on notice by Haywood Leal. And I mean, Loudermilk's there from a, um, you know, rookie you know rookie contract perspective. But Steelers could go and draft someone next year in the second, first, third round if they really wanted to, particularly now until it's gone and they got their quarterback um, without having to trade up for him. That's why not having to trade for Kenny Pickett is so good. So if I look at that, you look at the guys that are available, going to be available next year um, in free agency. And so these are the guys that, you know, you, that might be available. Um, now, again, I've combined on over the cap, interior, defensive line, and edge. So I'm going to quickly split that out. But you've got uh, Fletcher Cox and JJ Watt. Now they're 33 and 34. So that doesn't solve the aging problem on the defensive line. You then got Javon Hargrave, who's 30. Um, obviously, the Steelers, you know, drafted him. And maybe if you brought him back, he becomes like a Tyson Alawalu 2.0, someone that we squeezed that last juice out of toward the end of their career. And, you know, he can play well. Yannick Ngokwe on the edge from the Colts, but he's not going to fit our scheme. Um, and I think they would re-sign him if he has a good year. You've got Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, again, someone a bit more interior. You know, he's probably, he probably can command still a decent amount of money in the NFL. His current um, average pay per year is like 10, $10.5 million. Jadavian Clowney. I mean, Browns is the Browns. He hasn't done anything. He's not worth that money. I wouldn't do it. And also, you know, he's not going to fit the defensive end in the Steelers situation. Akeem Hicks, who's with the Bucks, he'll be 35 next year. So I think this was it for, for us being at the Steelers being able to grab him. I don't think you'd go and do that um, unless maybe it's not working out with the Bucks, but they've got Sue, you know, out there um, as well, um, you know, that, that, that they had looked to replace. Um, you've got a guy like Puna Ford at the Seahawks, who's like, I think he's he's someone that's commanding a decent salary right now. I don't know if I'd spend $6 million on him, um, It's to be honest, right now, and just looking at where he's sort of at um, in, in his career and what, what, what he's delivering. Um, the guy that really stands out to me, um, particularly now you've re-signed Aaron Donald, is... Ashawn Robinson, because I think Ashawn Robinson, you know, from where I've seen him used, I think he can play a little bit all over that defensive line. He's only going to be 28 next year. Um, he's on a void year with the Rams if you pull him up for one and a half mil. Um, he's a guy that he's had some decent stats in the league um, so far. He's got 15 quarterback hits. He's had 18 tackles for a loss. Um, he's got under 10 sacks. So he's someone you probably need to get cheaper. But he's also had a few injuries here and there. Um, he played all games um, last year, so it was fine from that perspective. And he's a guy that's like bigger at the position too, um, as well. He's three hundred and seven pounds, six foot four, so he's got some good size there. Um, I like that option for them. Um, you have got Matt Ioannidis; he'll be off contract with the Panthers, but he's always played a bit more interior. Sheldon Rankins um, will be off contract with the Jets, but he'll be 29. So again, 
that sort of puts you probably a little bit um, outside of, of him being someone that you really want to go after to, to help you there um, from that perspective. Jordan Phillips from the Bills will be available. Now, he will only be um, – he'll be 31, though. So, again, you, you still have this age issue. Um, Arden Key from the Jags, but he doesn't fit that system. Like, but he's someone that the name stands out because you've got the edge in there. Um, but as you can see, we start to get into a really sort of – who's available? And this is why the Steelers are worth giving their guys the time of day. Now, there are two guys in Jerry Tillery, who's fourth round, um, sorry, his fourth round, his first round um, fifth year option wasn't picked up. So that could be an interesting perspective. He's he's played three seasons, um, you know, so far, obviously for the charge, it wasn't picked up, um, 12 tackles for a loss. He's had nine and a half sacks um, as well. He's had 31 quarterback hits. So he's someone that can get to the quarterback hit. Um, can get to the quarterback. Um, you can get to the quarterback here. Um, Derek Indardi um, from the um, Chiefs, and I've just butchered his name. He's someone I think they would re-sign. I don't know why they'd let him go. Um, but the big other name that stands out here, which there were rumors they were trying to offload him, um, is the commander's Deron Payne, who's 25 right now, six foot two, 311 pounds. Now he plays more interior. So again, if you do this, you need to make sure that you're happy from the defensive end position. And there are guys that we've got on the Steelers, but he's a massive, he's pretty much apart from Haywood. He would be the best defensive line player we've got. I don't think there's any questions asked there. He's young, um, four years of NFL experience already. He's a guy that has almost 15 sacks in those four seasons. Um, He has, in terms of tackles for a loss, uh, he's got 22 of those. He's got 35 quarterback hits, um, nine pass defenses, one interception, four forced fumbles as well. So, I mean, that's a big name there. And they, as I say, they're rumored to want to offload him. Now, the money you've saved on to it, you could easily get him and still have some money in the bank. So I think when we look at it, you know, and then we can go through the list. There's guys like, you know, Hassan Ridgeway, who's a bit older, Um you know, technically, Venerian Mathis will be an exclusive rights free agent next year with that deal. Now, that's interesting as well, um, but I didn't think that had technically um, come through. But needless to say, when you look at this from the interior defensive line and, and you look at it also from those defensive ends, there's not a lot of options. There's guys we've talked about like Carl, um, Carl Nassib. Um, there's guys there that we talked about like Javon Hargrave, um, you know, Sheldon Rankins. You know, that could be something they can they can consider. Um, Ashawn Robinson, Jerry Tillery, Deron Payne. But if we're talking about getting younger at the position, I think it really does come down to Ashawn Robinson, Tillery, and Payne. I don't think I think you take away Robinson out of the Rams. If I'm the Rams, I'm not doing that. I don't want to destabilize the partnership he has with Aaron Donald. But you know, he may want to get paid. Um, he's on six million coverage at current average pay per year. Maybe the Steelers can offer him a bit more. I mean, you look at Jeremy Tillery as well. Like he's on a rookie contract. Um, he's someone that his fifth-year option wasn't picked up. And he may, may want to stay on the West Coast. But wouldn't you want to play in the Steelers' defense um, as well? So he's someone that we might be able to grab. And he's only getting paid $3.6 million this year. Maybe he's someone you've got. You know, you've also, as I say, you can bring in Deron Payne. But the better thing as well is that we've got another year to see what Montrevis Adams can do. Maybe he develops. 
Um, maybe Wormley does have a great year and takes a home team discount and he's worth keeping around another year. Anyway, what I wanted to basically cover was why, you know, the, the options that are available to the Steelers if they want to do it. But when you look through all these options, there's a lot of ifs, buts, maybes, and that's exactly why the Steelers have done the right thing by letting things play out, um, particularly if there's injuries going into seasons, particularly if teams find out, you know, they've got a really good young gun um, that, and maybe they do want to offload a veteran. But with that, that wraps up this week's Steelers War Room. I'm Matt Peverell, and as always, go Steelers. Go Steelers.